Thank you for joining us for the podcast of Conduit Church. We're a community of Christ followers committed to action. We meet in the Thompson Station area just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about what's going on with Conduit here in the Nashville area or around the world, please go to conduitmission.org. The sound of children in a service is not annoying. It's the sound of life. So... If that bothers you, my apologies. It just it doesn't bother me, and I want you as a parent to not, not be worried about that this morning. Hey, would you open your Bibles to the book of Psalms? I decided I'm going to boycott silent letters. You know, it's, just, it's a waste of a perfectly good P, right? P Psalms? P Psalms? So, Psalms <laughs> chapter 105. If you are have been around the Lord for a long time. Maybe I'll say it this way. I've been a pastor for just a short while, but one of the most common questions I get asked over and over and over again would be, how do I know God's will for my life? How do I know what God wants me to do? If, if you're in here and you've followed Christ, it may be for the macro level, the question of should we move to Guatemala, <laughs> Juilliard, <clears throat> or the teenagers, should I date this person, or at school and Centerpoint kids, if you're at school, should I, what should I do, should I be friends with this person, or the question of what, how do I follow the Lord, what does he want me to do, and for a long time in my life, I thought that was a hard thing to do. Does anybody else agree it's kind of hard to know? What God, I mean, it's just it's a hard thing until I realized that it wasn't. There's a guy named Augustine. He was alive a long time before even your parents were, which I know means that he was really old, <laughs> like way a long time ago. And, and his couple of his students came to him and said kind of that question, Augustine, Mr. Augustine, Mr. August, sir. August Stein, maybe his first name was August, last name Stein. I don't know. But he, they said, how do we know what God wants us to do? And he said, very simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind, and do whatever you want. Which is a little, at first, a little unsettling. Like, huh? But here's what he was saying. If you've got to Psalm 105 then you're really close to this, so you can hold a finger there and go to Psalm 37. Here is what he was suggesting. The psalmist David said, to delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So what that means is this. Delight, worship, just love the Lord. And he's going to download the desires into your heart to the point that what you want to do is what he's going to have downloaded in you to want to do. We can all go home now. (laughs) Now, if you're not delighting yourself in the Lord, might I suggest that this is bad advice for you? (laughs) Because my idea, I have a, we talked about this on Friday night. Remember guys that we had the teenagers down and and I said, look, you know, you have a lot of ideas when you're young and a teenager. And some are going to be great ideas and some of them are bad ideas, right? And part of our job as adults is to help you figure out which ones are the good ones and which ones are the bad ones. 
right? And we said, if you walk across the crowded street to McDonald's by yourself, that is a bad idea. It's an idea, but it's a bad one. We get to help you out with those things. Uh, We have some ideas that may not be very good ideas, but if we are delighting ourselves in the Lord on a daily basis, not to try to get something out of him, but just delighting, you know, when you're with your buddies at school, like Caleb, have you got a best friend? Like you don't go hang out with your best friend to try to to get something out of him, do you? No, you're just hanging out with him because you like him. You like being with him. Hanging out with God, not to get something, but because you love him. Paul would actually say it this way in Philippians. He said that God is, you don't have to write it. We just, you can turn there later. God who works in you both to will and to do. And he goes on to talk about his good purposes. It's God giving you the will to do and the ability to do. When you're delighting yourself in the Lord, he is going to give you the desires of your heart. Paul was saying, basically, he's going to give you the will. He's going to give you the desire. And then he's going to give you the ability to do it. Now, if you're in Psalm, go back to 105 with me. Because here's what I learned this year that just totally blew my mind. And there wasn't that much left to blow, but it cleaned it out. In Psalm 105, the psalmist David said, he was talking about Israel. Do you guys, have you guys watched the Bible yet, the, the television series? And do you remember that when Israel was taken out of, of Egypt, the plagues, the frogs, and all the, you know, the scratching and all this? And he takes them out. And in the desert, it would, it would say that he would lead them by a cloud by day and a fire by night. I used to think that that was a, a cloud like a big stack of smoke. In fact, the little flannel graphs when we were kids, maybe you guys remember the flannel graph, that had the little stack, like a smoke stack that would be in front of where Israel was supposed to go, right? And then the idea was that when God wanted to move, he moved the smokestack. Go left, go right, follow the smokestack. David said that it wasn't a smokestack, it was a covering of clouds over the top of them. Now, if you've been to Haiti, and some of you have, how many of you guys have been? Raise your hands. Haiti, you've been with me? One of us. I mean, if you've been any place hot, right? Where they're just miserably swampy, I don't know, Louisiana, for instance, India. Right? Have you been to uh, Louisiana, man? Swampy. Like, I'm sweating in the car in Louisiana, just anticipating when opening the door. But if you've been to a hot place before, what does it feel like when the sun goes behind the clouds? Awesome, right? And you guys, the Fadleys know this because when you were in India, like even like in May when I went over there, you get into, like you get on the moto, like a lot of times you get on and you roll the windows down or whatever and it kind of provides a breeze. You got on a moto there and ride the little motorcycle and it was like driving in a convection oven. It just made it worse. It was like just swampy, like you could put tater tots on the hood of your car and by the time you got to the next location, they'd be done. But when the clouds came out, those rare moments, it felt good, didn't it? The picture was really, really simple. That was this. As long as the clouds were over them, it was cool. And they wanted to stay there. And when God needed them to move, he moved the clouds. And before long, the clouds moved, and it is hot, sweaty, miserable. Follow the clouds. 
How do you know what God wants you to do with your life? Do what's cool. Go to the place where you feel cool under God's presence. Follow the clouds. Ezekiel 44. Trust me, you don't want to turn there. You'll never find it. Some of you will because you get your little digital ones. It actually talked about this very principle in the temple. The priest, it was said, was to wear nothing but linen. No wool. All due respect to my sheep. Wool is very hot and sweaty. This has got to be why the Lord has called me into Christianity and saved my soul. It was so appealing to me because it is a non-sweaty religion. Anti-sweat. Go and follow Jesus and don't sweat it. The priest himself was supposed to wear linen so that it was a breathing. Now, in the 90s, there, was, there were many lapses in judgment we've had stylistically over the years. One of the lapses in judgment that I kind of wish stuck around was the linen phase. You remember the linen phase? Every Christian band, album cover band had their linen pants and their linen shirts and like Bahama Joes. It was just awesome. That's the idea that he's suggesting here, that the priest was saying that the priest was to go in to do the work of the Lord in linen so that it breathed, that it would be cool. Gang, you and I, the Bible tells us, are a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. You and I now, we don't have to send somebody in in linen. We get to go in to the temple of the Holy, the temple of the Holy Spirit being us. We get to go into his presence. He gets to indwell us. The first indicator that if I'm not in God's will, if it is hot and sweaty, God might be moving me on someplace. And you can hang out in the sun all day long and burn. And, or you could say, oh, they, you know what? The clouds are moving. Maybe it's time to move on. The book of Acts that was very fluid. People were constantly moving, doing things. The Lord was constantly moving and moving them to places that were cool. He's saying, Darren, this is all great, but this is Old Testament, and I know about Jesus. And what about discomfort? What about suffering? What about the first time in the New Testament when our priest, Jesus, our great high priest, wore linen was when? Does anybody know? In the tomb. John 19. It says that they wrapped him in linen. And that sounds like, well, that's no good. But here's what it just simply means. They wrapped him in linen. Our great high priest went before us, was wrapped in linen. When he laid down his life, said, not my will, but thy will be done. Which is why I believe Romans 12 tells us that when I offer myself as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, acceptable to you. Verse 2, 3, and 4. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Living sacrifice. And then you will know my will for your life. My good, perfect, pleasing will. When I'm delighting in him, I'm going to lay down my life. And here's, I guess what I'm trying to say. And if you're young, I really want you to hear me say this. That something that sounds so awful is amazing if it's God leading you to do it. So it might sound like, oh, uh, Darren, went, I don't want to go to Haiti because it's hot and nasty there. Me too. Amen. But the best moments of my spiritual life of coming alive and experiencing the Lord in unique and amazing and profound ways was when I laid down my life 
And I went to a place that he didn't want. And I, in one of the hottest places on earth, India, it was one of the coolest experiences for me. To get to go and to love on you guys. And I'd say to you this morning that that is, God's will is not hard. And all the energy that I might try to force on myself of, oh God, please, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do? Please, 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 please show me what you want to do. Just, I just cut it out and say, instead, I'm going to delight in you today. That's the only thing I'm going to do today, Lord. I'm going to delight in you. And in a church like this, that's hard because you look around and there's people going and doing and and you think, "But, but I should go and do. But if God hasn't told you to do that yet, don't. You have freedom to not. How many times have you, I I don't know, I've heard it, I might have preached it, I apologize. Peter getting out of the boat, and the sermon that I've heard and maybe given, I don't remember, is, oh, those other disciples, if only they would have gotten on the boat, out of the boat, what would have happened? They could have, they missed out on so much. But who did Jesus ask to get out of the boat? Peter. He didn't invite any of the others. I suggest if they got out of the boat that day, they'd have sunk like a rock. Because God didn't invite them to do it. What is the Lord inviting you to do? And if you'll spend that moment, those times in delighting in him every day, every day, every day, and then follow those desires. Follow the desire of your heart, not the desire of someone else's heart. He didn't say, delight yourself in the Lord, and I'm going to give you the desires of Darren's heart. As a church, I'm not asking you to Unite under my vision. I'm asking you to unite under what does the Lord want you to do? What has he called you to do and to be? That's a vision. (laughs) Is your vision. What is God? Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. He's going to give you what to want. And it might not be comfortable, but it will be cool. Does this make sense? I'm going to give you a real life example of this. We had an opportunity as a church on Friday night to go downtown Nashville and to work alongside of Place of Hope, a partner ministry with us. I've served on the board of directors for several years now with this amazing ministry. But you know why we went there? Not because I said it, because I thought this was a great idea, but because Sarah did. Sarah Fuquay. You got your microphone? Your daddy's going to be Montel for us today. He's going to walk around. Can you stand up? So Sarah had an idea. What was your idea? Um, to uh, go downtown and uh, go just enjoy um, just talking to people and hearing their stories and to really just, you know, just hang out. So how, tell me how that idea came to you. Um, I just always wanted to go like out and do stuff like go internationally everywhere and um then i was just like well there we're around places that need to be you know helped and like supported and stuff so um yeah i just thought well i always you know i was like you know thought they're gonna need something you know it's cold and stuff like that so um we just thought of doing uh lunch sacks and uh Taking them and just talking with them. So. Was it hard? <laughs> it, well, so I proposed the idea to Jim, 
in mm-hmm. December because I yep. initially wanted it to be in like you know close to Christmas, and uh, Jim had a lot on his plate, so we just decided to do it later, mm-hmm. and it was. You know, difficult to do timing and stuff like that. So we had been talking about it, and you know, um, it was we met a lot with uh, like the youth council, and mm-hmm. they helped out, and you know, it, it just grew. And the way that we did this was because uh, we, we were going to raise money at the same time, mm-hmm. and so we had a little uh, little change buckets out there, and then we did girls versus guys, and and uh, the the total is somewhere close to a thousand dollars that came in. Mm-hmm. We got one more. Donation that just come in mm-hmm. uh, because you had an idea. Mm-hmm. So Friday night when you went home, this was actually one of the moments that was really precious <laughs> because you know what? Tell me about this moment. What made you decide to go talk to her? Um, I was actually pretty nervous myself to go and talk to people, uh, but this lady, her name was Amy, and um, she had actually been at Place of Hope for five days, and uh, she was just super nice and. Um, you know, we, me and Monica, we were buddies, and uh, and so we, I was just like, Monica, I don't want to talk to her. I just don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to stay back. And so we just went over together, and uh, Monica just opened up and just started talking to her, and then she started telling us her story and where she was and everything. Where's Monica? Monica, could you come down here? I know you're cozy back there. So you didn't want to do it. Are you glad you did it? Mm-hmm. So what God led you to do, Jesus said, my burden is easy. My, uh, so if you're going to partner and team with me, my burden's easy. My load is light. Was that a, was that a easy burden? Um, well, you, you, you did, you talked to her. It wasn't easy to make that step, but once you mm-hmm. did it, it was awesome. Yeah. Scale of one to 10, 10 being incredible. I'll do it again. One being that was terrible. I can't believe you made me do that. 10. 10. Monica, tell me what was it? What was in your mind that you saw this lady? What made you decide uh, we should talk to her? Because I'll say that we, I, I met this lady, and she, five days at Place of Hope, very recently there, and you know there, she was she's struggling with some issues. She wasn't going to be like an easy conversation. So what made you decide to do that? Um, Sarah came and she was like very very nervous to go talk to somebody, but I could tell she really wanted to do it. So she would be standing there, and she's like, who do we pick? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, just choose somebody, and we'll see how that goes or whatever. And so she kept, like, going up, and then she's like, okay, no, 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 never mind. <laughs> and then going up, and then, um, but I was like, okay, Sarah, five seconds of courage, and that's all you need, and then we'll forget. And it was basically her. She just was like, okay, we'll go talk to her. There was a seat open next to her, so... We just sat down. She turned right to us and started talking to us. It was like that. And then after that, she was like completely ready, like, hey, let's go up to those people. (laughs) So we're like, okay. This is to me such the perfect example of laying down your life. It's because you didn't want to, but you laid it down. Jesus said that night right before he went to the cross, Lord, I don't want to do this one. And who could blame him, right? He said, nevertheless, not what I will, but your will be done. And took him to linen and you guys got to be wrapped in linen that night it was a little chilly anyway <laughs> so you guys five seconds of courage which i think is a great analogy for you monica uh you had that opportunity that night you went and talked to, to this lady and some others uh scale of one to ten what would you give it ten being incredible awesome one i can't believe i, I don't ever want to do that again ten ten if you were a teenager that night and you were with us would you stand up 
Or if you're, you know what, if you're a leader, stand up. Michelle got a battlefield promotion that night. Sonia, why are you be not standing up? Come on. <laughs> no, I said if you were the teenager and leader, stand up. Sorry. Michelle got a battlefield promotion that night because Jim was down for the count. So you had an opportunity to do something. What, out of curiosity, why did you do it? She loves talking in front of people. I, I, I don't know. I just... One, I wanted... Um, I'm the leader of the high school girls, and I just wanted to be there to somewhat support them and um, just kind of stand in the spot knowing that my brother was down. And if you don't know, Jim's my brother. And uh, I knew how much his heart really wanted the kids to just have this great experience to just talk to others who've had it. Yeah. Pretty horrid, and I got to talk to a couple of folks myself, which was awesome. So, we appreciate Jim. Uh, so, is Jim's sister? She definitely took the bull by the horns, and she had the clipboard and all the, the all the practical stuff. And but what I wanted you to stand up is this: I wanted you to see what one God idea in one person can do. She, the courage to reach out to Jim. The courage to say we should try this. Because if you said that, Jim could have said no, right? And that would have, there's, there's risk involved. But by being obedient and by doing that, not only is this, these lives here were changed. The thing about Place of Hope that's so incredible is the Nashville community is pretty good with, the, we, we do a great job of loving our homeless community. But the one hole in the boat, so to speak, is if, you're homeless because you're addicted to alcohol or drugs, which a large portion are either going to be mentally, there's a mental disorder, or there's alcohol and drugs, and often, most times it's both. Place of Hope offers a ticket out. So it's not just a roof over your head and not just a meal. All those things are there, but you also, and right now at any, at any given moment, there's going to be between 8 to 10 people from place, in Place of Hope right now who were from downtown Nashville living in the homeless population. I talked to four of them that night who were not only living in Place of Hope and have been clean somewhere between 9 to 12 months, they're back downtown helping others now. They're the ones setting up the crew, right? It's God changing people's lives. So we got to be a part of that, and we said that this sandwich we're handing out, is like a business card. This is an invitation. It's like a game of flashlight tag. We're putting the light on them. Jesus has found them for that moment that night. And one of the moments, there was a lady named Tammy who went through Place of Hope years ago. I don't know if Dolores is here. She probably knows her. But Tammy has been driving the van. So we took them. We set up camp at Nelson Mazda. And then we put them in vans. And we drove them to the actual encampments where the little tent cities are where a lot of the homeless population lives. And let's see, where's Emily and Brianne? Are you here right there? These are our singers. And Tammy said that she's been doing this since July, every other Friday since July, driving a team in there. And she said she has not seen anything this powerful ever. She's, this was the most powerful night of her entire track record of going every other Friday night for the last nine months. Because you guys just decided to start singing, didn't you? Okay, Montel, can you get him a microphone?
How did that happen? What made you decide to start singing? Well, for me at first, I was just like, I love singing. I just felt like God was like, sing something, sing something. So I looked at Miss Carol, I was like, well, what should I sing? She was like, well, sing your song. And everybody was like, sing it, sing it, sing it. So I looked at Emily, I was like, will you help me start it? And she was like, yeah, sure. So we just started singing my song, and then we started singing all these other different songs. And it just, everybody started singing along. And People started coming out of their tents. They started paying attention. and A crowd gathered. <laughs> and a powerful moment unfolded that night. You guys, did you pray for them? I wasn't there when this happened. This was all reported back to me. Did you guys pray at, the, at some point, right? Did you pray at the tents or not? I don't remember. Not there? We sang, prayed for we sang one person. Songs. Sang songs, prayed for a person. All because Sarah said, I want to do what the Lord told me to do. All because you guys are just delighting yourself in the Lord. And that decision that night was just spontaneous. I just did it because I wanted to. I wanted to sing. Delight yourself there in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. This is not rocket science. It's not difficult. It's a lie of the enemy that it's hard. Because if he's got you on your knees praying, please, God, show me what I'm supposed to do next, you're not doing anything. It's a trap. Thank you, guys. If you're part of the youth ministry, thank you to what you did. A hand from everybody. Andrew and Glenda, where are you? When I first met Andrew and Glenda, would you stand up? Montel's bringing you a mic. When I first met Andrew and Glenda a couple years ago, they, God told them to basically get rid of everything they owned in Dallas and move here to be part of a disaster relief organization. And I remember a couple of years ago, you guys had this picture in your mind of an oasis of hope, which is when they go to a disaster. Tell us why we need one of these, by the way. Well, in a disaster, uh, oftentimes the disaster people that are coming in, Fox News, all the weather people, all of the volunteers, they take up all the local hotel space and all the local resources, and the locals don't have any place to go. And so also, you know, you find somebody who's come all the way from Seattle to Joplin, and they come and they spend, you know, after about five days in the car, um, they smell bad, they look bad, they have no place for laundry, they're having troubles finding food. And so you get a lot more out of your volunteers, plus you have an opportunity to help the folks that have survived. And so it's a mobile facility that uh, basically provides Internet, places to wash, you know, wash your clothes, have a shower, food, um, place to find the weather, you know, do, do some banking. You know, How would Joplin have been different? These guys basically got here, unpacked their stuff. They drove through the storm that ultimately wiped out Joplin yeah. and then turned around and went back. How would Joplin have been different had you have had this? Oh, far different. Uh, we, we had something similar. We did have a tent there, but it wasn't set up specifically to do this. And so uh, Joplin would have been, you know, we, we, there was three to 5,000 volunteers uh, per week that rolled through uh, Joplin. And uh, when I told you about this, this car that came from Seattle, that they came to Joplin, and all the guys in the car, they, they, they would have stayed two weeks or more. We could have got more out of the volunteers had they had been able to actually wash clothes and smell nice or get a decent, you know, decent sleep. So God led you not only to move into, he's continued to lead you and wanted this. And so what they did yesterday on the grounds of Grace Chapel. So my, uh, as a recovering artist manager, I still have some relationships from my previous life in a, uh, say the name or not. There was a, a tour that traveled around that had uh, tents, lots of them. 
And they called me and said, uh, a friend of mine, Benny, you know Benny Prophet. He's spoken here a couple times. Benny's in Uganda this morning, if you'd be praying for Benny. They said, hey, we got all these tents in storage. Could you guys use them? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the beginning of the Oasis of Hope. Yes, amen. amen. Those all have walls that will literally create an inside, uh, how many square feet? 6,400 square feet on that one, and we have another tent that we're going to be doing a dry run on this coming week that's also 4,100 square feet. And uh, what you see on the left is a storage trailer and a mobile kitchen. Oasis of Hope is being born. It's it's absolutely amazing. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? That's like tens of thousands of dollars worth of tents. I don't even know. I've never, like, shopped for them on eBay or Amazon, but but a lot. And they sat in my barn for a little bit. And it was one of those when the phone call came, it was like, we get to, you know, sure, I'm sure we could figure out something for him. And thought, oh, yeah, that's, this could be a seed. So we, we let Andrew and Glenda know. And so this thing that was just an idea, that was just a desire of their heart is now becoming an audacious reality. What do you guys, what's left? What do you need to complete this? Well, we need a trailer to, to haul it on. And also, um, when, you, when you see something like that, you need furnishings. And so we, we basically, we just did a dry run. We wanted to see what inventory we had and what we didn't have, what was needed yet. And so all the furnishings, everything from lights to tables, chairs, whatever the furnishings may need to be, uh, that's, that's the main thing. And also, also a trailer to haul it on. I'm, I'm borrowing a trailer currently. So, yeah. Tell me, what was it like in those initial moments when you felt God was saying, I met them because a friend of mine, a fellow uh, believer that I've known, he was a youth pastor for me in high school said, I've met this family, and they're crazy like you are, were his exact words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're getting ready to move to Dal- from Dallas to Nashville to, I'd never even heard of Hope Force at this point. Tell us, what was it, the, the, how, the, you know, take us through the, the decision process. What was it like to make this decision to leave the safety of where you were and to move as the clouds were moving someplace else? Um, I think for me it was exciting uh, because I'd been working on this in my mind and God had been working on this in my heart for a while. And so in talking with Andrew, he was like over my dead body. (laughs) And I'd learned enough that when God had put something on my heart that wasn't quite on Andrew's to just start praying. And um, about three months, four months before we actually did this he you know we were talking and i'd sort of test the waters and he was like i can hardly wait to be done here to do this and i just had really felt it was in his wheelhouse especially and he lives for this kind of stuff and he just thrives so it it's scary yeah you leave the security of the clouds are that, moving. Yeah. And, but at the same time, it was like not wanting to stay put and becoming miserable. And I believe God will pull all the cushioning out to make yeah. you so ready to step out and do what you need to do. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Where are... Uh... I got one more story that I want to uh, share with you this morning. The Juilliards, would you guys stand up? Rob and Amanda. 
moved to Tennessee four years ago, three. And like a lot of us, just minding their own business, following the Lord. And then God tapped you on the shoulder and asked you to do uh, what? What? Um, we thought just going on a mission trip to uh, Guatemala for a week to build houses. And um, that's what we originally thought we were going to be doing. And it turned out to be nothing what we thought originally thought. Um, I'm going to let you share that story. <laughs> I was not ready for this today. Um, so coming here to Conduit has been really good for us. Um, and just hearing about going to Guatemala the first time was really cool. And for some reason... I was like, we need to do this, Rob. He's like, you're crazy. He's like, why, 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 why do you want to go on this one? I'm like, I don't know. They're building houses. Cool. I would like to do that. I don't know why I thought that, but that would be fun. But going, we thought, you know what? We'll build some houses. You know, we'll help out these communities. But there's so much more, um, so much more that we got out of it. Um, we made friendships, like Fernando and Melvin, huh? We got to pray for people um, like you, you guys did, and it was really fun. Um, Painted fingernails. Zach got to fill some syringes. Um, totally not what we had had planned, but just we were with a medical dental clinic, which is, if you know me at all, I don't do blood whatsoever. <laughs> um, but it was really amazing, and we could not even get out of our heads the thought of wanting to go back this year. Um, that was even when we were leaving there last year. We were like, yep, we're going to go back um, in June. We'll definitely be part of that. And I remember making a comment to one of the girls on the team. I said, if we moved here, would you come visit us? Just totally, ha. Huh? Yeah, she's like, yeah, sure. But it was already, even before we left Guatemala, that, that first time in June, um, it was already part of, I guess, my thought process. So here we are. So the cloud is moving. Ironically, to Guatemala, which is a very cloudy and very, uh, I love the climate. I'm like, man, Lord, good work. <laughs> what does that look like next for you then? The cloud is moving. What's next for us as far as uh, Guatemala? Um, cloud moving. Um, first phase is to get down there, uh, get to know the culture. Uh, get familiar with the language, actually learn to get fluent with the language, um, which is Spanish, yep. Uh, and then as far as what we want to do, everything's on the table. Uh, we want to go down there and be a part of the church. I mean, we want to be the church there. And we want to be able to host or help with teams coming in, either from here or elsewhere. Uh, but we also want to come alongside the churches that are already existing there and find ways that we can be a, a tool in the pastor's tool belt, whatever he needs as far as to uh, make a difference in his community. So really that's kind of where we're, we're going right. at this point. And all that's... But your next step is, so God never said leap of faith, right? It was correct. steps It's just faith. been steps. So you, there's a long way. So there, your, your steps now are, we've we, we, we got to figure out financially. You guys got to yeah. raise some money. Doing fundraising. Don't um, ignore their phone calls when they call you. 
we're doing fundraising and um, yeah, we're putting the pieces together. Uh, the the goal is to be there in May. If that's if that's the Lord's plan, then that's what we're we're shooting for. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to pray for us, we do have a house in Ohio that still needs to be sold. Another um, step. That is another step. Yep. So. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, guys. David. David and Carrie Stewart. Where are you? I thought I saw you come in here. I did, they, I did not prep them at all for this. We got to meet the Stewart family as part of this Discover Conduit that we've been on this journey. Living in New York, Buffalo. Come on, Carrie. You just sang last week. You were right there. I saw you. <laughs> but one of the things that they talked about, we learned about them, was they moved here. They'd wanted to move here for years and years and years. But then finally it was time. What was different this time about God leading you, saying now it's time to move from Buffalo to Nashville? Uh, well, you know, one of the things that really happened for us was just uh, I work for Kodak in Rochester, and uh, they had a huge turnover of people, and they had a huge cultural shift all at the same time, and so the, I was able to convert over to a work-from-home arrangement. That made a big difference. And then at the same time, uh, Kodak was going through a... Uh, a bankruptcy process, and uh, out of I don't I think they said thirty five thousand employees, they decided they wanted to they identified three hundred people that they wanted to retain throughout the bankruptcy that they you know didn't want people jumping ship, and it turns out I was on that list. I was as surprised as anybody. So they offered us a an incentive bonus to stay with the company, and that helped to pay for the move, and it just kind of all came in at the same time. So here we are. So what was that decision like? You guys are talking. Do you just know all of a sudden we're supposed to move? Or what was the moment like when you knew it was time? I don't know if there was exactly a moment. It was really we just started knocking on doors that we had knocked on a hundred times before. And they all opened up this time. You know, just 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 one after another, all the things that it took for things to line up to work. It just happened. So, How many years was it that you desired to move here? Well, both of us visited when we were young. Yeah. Uh, You know, I used to come down... uh, go down to Florida with my grandparents, and we would stop in Tennessee. And I just loved Tennessee then. And uh, my wife did the same type of activity when she was a teenager. So we both kind of had it in our heart to be here. And uh, So without giving away age, how many years was it you wanted to? Like probably five or six years, right? <laughs> back when you were teenagers? Well, aggressively, probably 15. But, yeah. you know, going back to teenagers, I'm 46. So, and that was... Probably started for me when it's I weird, was weird uh, because Carrie's only twenty eight. That's so weird. I know, I know. I did well, didn't I? <laughs> I won the young wife lottery. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted them to share this story because sometimes the Lord will put a desire in your heart and make you wait, and you wait for a while. A how many time. years? Does anybody know how many years it was between the time that Abraham had the vision that he was going to have a son, and then the time that he actually had the son? 25 it was a, it was literally he was an it was like forever but if he, he god gave him the desire sometimes there's a gap between the moment the desire hits and the actual desire is given would you guys give them a hand and if you haven't met the steward yet you really need to everybody's kind of shifting like oh no is it me next I just, I wanted you to see that in our day-to-day lives, that every day God is asking us to do stuff and we do it 
Because he just gives you the desires of your heart. I want to say that and then caveat it with saying this. That there are moments when I've, there are desires that I've had that I thought I wanted them. Thought that was what I needed. And I didn't get it. And it's just like a girl named Salome. Or if you put an emphasis on a different syllable, it's salami. Salome in the book of Matthew 20. This is 2020 vision I'm about to give you. See clearly God's will. Matthew 20, verse 20. I don't even have a slide for it, but. Salome went to Jesus and was worshiping him. And Jesus said, okay, what do you want? Like he totally knew she was there to get something. And she said, yes, I want my sons, James and John, the day that you come into your kingdom, I want them to be on your right and on your left side. And Jesus said something that was sort of cryptic and weird. He said, you don't know what you're asking. Could they, can they drink from the cup that I'm going to drink from? Seven days later, Salome would have been standing, sitting, kneeling in front of a cross with Jesus on the cross. And on the left and right hand side were two thieves. And one of them said, Lord, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That was the day that he was stepping into his kingdom. And on the right and the left hand side, her prayer, God, let my kids be on the right and the left hand side when you step into your kingdom. And he said no to that prayer. And I'll bet there was nobody more grateful that day than Salome. God's going to give you the desires of your heart. He's going to withhold no good thing from you. If you've prayed for something and you haven't got it, then it means it wasn't a good thing for you. Not because God is a buzzkiller, because he wants to hold out on you for however many years. And we may not know till this other side of eternity why the stewards had to wait for 15 years or more to be here. Maybe we'll know this side, but maybe we won't. Maybe we'll know the other side. But if you delight yourself in the Lord, then it doesn't matter what you do or don't get. Because you're delighting in him. And on a macro level, which is where we focused a lot today on these big moves, on these big things. But I want to peel it back down into the day to day. Because as you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't just mean when I got to move to Guatemala or not. That doesn't mean whether I need to go witness to this person or not. It means do I love my spouse or do I not? It means do I... Allow this into my home or not? I mean, do I love on my children in this moment or not? Delighting yourself in the Lord doesn't start with the macro. It starts with the micro. And my prayer for us as a body of believers is before we step to Guatemala, before we step to the Oasis of Hope, that at our own homes, that we're delighting ourselves in Him And in our finances, in the decisions we're making financially, in the decisions we're making with where our kids will or won't go to school or whether or not this or that, that we're as we delight in him and then follow those desires, praying and knowing that God may be not answering this one now, but it just thinks Salome on that one. Some of you want to go to Guatemala. You want to move. You want to go and do big things. And God's saying no to you right now. That's okay. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. If you don't, 
If you don't desire your spouse right now, maybe it's time to delight yourself in the Lord today. To just go into his presence and remember what he did for you and to remember all those amazing things he's done for you and delight yourself and let him begin to replenish and replace the desires that you maybe had at one point when you were younger and let him bring those back to you. And you teenagers, you may not want to do what your parents have asked you to do. You may not want to clean your room. You may not want to do the homework. Dial it back to the Lord. It is as simple as that. If you're delighting yourself and not out of a burden, not some of you guys are reading through the Bible through this year as as students. And I think it's amazing and powerful. And those of you that aren't maybe think, oh man, I didn't, but maybe God didn't lead you to go through the Bible this year. Maybe God just needs you to camp out in just one verse and just let that verse soak into you. But every day, not out of some obligation and something, oh, I got to do this. But just go back to the cross, back to Jesus, and let him download those desires to you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and then do whatever you want. Could it be that simple? I think it is. As our uh, musicians, would you come back and join us for a couple of more songs? What I would ask of you, whether from the oldest to the youngest today, to find out maybe where it's kind of hot and just sweaty and in your life, and maybe you've moved out from under the clouds. Maybe the cloud didn't move. Maybe you did. And I would invite you back into the shade. Invite you back into when the cloud moves, you'll know. But maybe you've moved and you just go back to that last thing that the Lord led you to do, the last thing he's told you to do, and spend some time in the shade, in the coolness, in the lightness of his burden, of his yoke, partner with him. Kids, have you guys seen, I've used this analogy before, and I don't mean to overuse it, but how many of you guys have driven by and seen like an orchard with fruit growing on the branches? Have you seen this before? Right? You see... How many parents maybe have a garden? No gardeners in here? In this room? Are you kidding me? <laughs> when you see the tomatoes growing in the spring, do you see them? Are they stressing out and freaking out trying to figure out how to grow? No. If you drive by Arrington Vineyards and you see those grapevines, are they freaking out? No. They're just hanging in there. Hanging on to the branch. And the branch is Jesus. He said, I'm the branch, I'm the, or I'm the vine, you're the branches. You're the branch, he's the vine. So you get to be the vine, he's going to be the branch. You just attach to him, delight in him every day. And over time, as the days and the weeks go on, the fruit just happens. The energy that we've spent this week, this trying to figure out how am I going to do this, how am I going to, what, God, what do you want me to do, this decision. I would encourage you to pull back from that. Get your eyes off of that and get your eyes back onto Jesus. Attach to the vine and then be patient and let the Lord begin to move through you today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be this week. It may be 15 years, but just remain attached and allow him to produce the fruit in you. Father, would you give us wisdom today from your word as to what it is that you would have us to do? Lord, I don't want to be cavalier about this, that there are, we face big decisions in our life. We face big things. We face 
small decisions that have big consequences, but could you bring us back into your coolness of your cloud cover? Could you bring us back into your presence that we can start from there? And then allow you to give us wisdom to move with the clouds with every decision that we make. It's in your name we pray. Amen.